Good morning. Good morning, good morning, morning. I am... It is Friday morning. I'm hanging out. It is a uh, interesting morning this morning. I'm excited. Um, we're moving into... It feels like spring. You know what I mean? It feels like spring. Uh, okay. So... Um, they jump right into refereeing signals next. We're talking about communication. Going into part two, this is refereeing signals. The primary signals. There are five of them. You guys ready? Try. Your hand is straight up and down. Whistle's in your mouth. You're blowing a try whistle. Yay! Penalty whistle. Penalty kick. Now, the thing is, each of these things should be announced differently. Um, but a penalty... I was always described it as a fuck you whistle. F-U-C-K in your mind. Um, you hear that in your mind. I think Pat Laskowski gets credit for that one. Um, which has always served me very well. Um, very long, hard blast of a whistle. And that's that. You know. One, two, three, four, and you're done. Um, arm is 45 degrees basically between, if your head is 90, horizontal is zero, that's 45 degrees. Does that make sense? I don't know. Basically, it's between your head and your shoulder, the the right angle of your shoulder. Um, Now, the thing about the penalty is um, it is very important that you put this out to imagine that it's it's the advantage towards the team that is not offended. <sighs> See if we can make that clear. Um, it's always a difficult one to explain. Almost like you're raising the other team up. Okay, you've done something bad, that means you get an advantage, your arm goes up. Let's um, put that up there. I mean, even though it's not advantage, advantage is the wrong word, because that's another one of the primary penalty, the primary signals. Um, but bang, the team that has not done something, the team that has done something wrong, on the other side of your arm. I don't know how to explain that clearly. It's stupid. Um, but that's the signal, and we got to get that down correctly. There's nothing worse than referees. You know, well, there's a lot of things worse, but there are a few things worse, few things worse than changing the signal after you've done it. Because basically you're saying the whole point of this is um, to be clear. What's going to happen next? Primary signal. Bang. Penalty. This team knows right away what's going on. And for all the spectators and everybody pretty much watching, it doesn't matter what's going on. They know exactly what's happening next. There's a penalty to this team. Bam. Um, Free kick. Basically, the... I don't know. I'm not going to try to describe physical things. If you know what a free kick looks like, great. Tell somebody about it. Um, Scrum awarded. Your arm is directly sideways. As if you're trying to stiff arm somebody, you tap on the whistle, bang, scrum down, knock on, scrum down. Um, an advantage is exactly the same way, you're just not blowing your whistle. Um, so the three questions, and this is clarity and body language that we're working towards. What will happen next, which is the primary signal. These are the, these are the sending, the questions that people are asking that we are sending responses to. Okay, what will happen next? The moment the ref blows the whistle, everybody looks at the ref. 
Now, as a referee, we want to be the 31st person on the field. We don't want to be the first person. So if we're hitting our whistle a bit too often, and not, maybe it means that we need to manage off the ball a little bit. Maybe it, needs, it means we need to do that. Maybe it means that, you know, hey, we need to have a serious chat with the captains, have them understand that our gravity in the situation, the gravity of, excuse me, the situation, and go from there. I don't know. It's whatever you guys feel is correct. But ideally, oh my God. Oh. we're going toward, we're trying to be as clear as possible. That is the goal. Um, what will happen next? The moment the referee blows the whistle, what's going to happen next? Is it a free kick? Is it a scrum? Is it a penalty? Is it a try? In situations, you have to go outside of these. For example, say you have a, a guy diving for a try, and he's in the corner, and the AR got a good look at it, so you need to just kind of like say, hey, double tap on the whistle, arm up, time is off, have a chat with your ARs, and then you need to do something. Now, there's no primary signal for no try, but I wish you could figure one out, just a big no, big arm swiping across the chest, no try, you know, taking out the back, 22 drop or something like that. You know, like it doesn't matter what it is. It's just one of those things where you're trying to be clear. I remember I had a game where that happened and I just did not, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, okay, primary signals. I know all of those. This is outside of those signals. You just need to kind of adapt and roll with it. But those are the main five. If you get those five correct, with proper body language, with proper clarity, you are you're on your way. Um, what's the reason for the stoppage? Which is the secondary signal, um, which is the second question. Um, so first stoppage. What's going to happen next? Penalty. Okay. Why? What happened? What happened? You know, you, you don't. Again, I focus on whistle motion. Mark, if you get those three things correct, I'm okay. Secondary notions are for clarity so that people can understand what's going on. Um, to carry out the signals in a precise manner. And with adequate timing, you will need to a lot of on-field practice and you will have to study other referees and their signaling. Remember, all referees have their own style, yet all are obliged to follow the law book to achieve uniform application of referee signals all over the world. So if you're doing these five signals differently, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, yeah, those are the five primary signals. Um, yeah, this is just kind of walking through a couple practice situations and being like, all right, your referee organizer will set up seven situations in which you do this, you know, you go from there. Um, Verbal communication. There's a little side segue on verbal communication. I'm going to read this. For your vocal communication, you can use the following guidelines to ensure a consistent approach for international matches. Ooh. When explaining decisions, be succinct and wherever possible, use the language of the law book. Now, when it says succinct, we did this drill one time where we, we they had us doing sprints. And they had us come back and do um, 
immediately showed us a video of a foul play footage. And they had us react right away, videotaping us the whole time. It was actually really cool. Because um, basically, you're under pressure, your heart's pumping, you're, you're doing sprints, you're doing a shuttle drill or whatever it is, and you come back and they're videotaping you right away. And you just got to go and react. You just got to be like, all right, shut up and do it. You know, just bang, go. And, um, yeah. So they videotaped us, and then we watched it back later. Now, the point when you're doing foul play, now, usually you've got a bit more time and a bit more moments. to. to you, you, this is where you especially want to take a moment and pause. But going forward, you can just be like, here's the deal. You want to use as few words as possible. Like, I had one where this Irish player, it was a, it was a high, it was a Gary Owen, so it was an up and under. Really, really high ball. Some, I think it was England, England and Ireland. England kicked it super high. Ireland's underneath the ball. He's watching the ball the whole way. No, South Africa. South Africa and I think somebody, I think it was England. Um, but the player is, I can't remember what player was receiving or whatever, but... Anyways, up and under, ball to the, towards the back line. Fullback is watching the ball, watching the ball, watching the ball. Jumps up to the ball, turns his shoulder slightly to protect himself, fully in the air. And the other player comes in with like a knee to the face. Not looking at the ball. Like literally flying knee to the face. And I was like, okay, wow. So I, I stopped the game. Penalty, stop the game. Separate the teams, gentlemen. Let's get the physios on. Captain, 14. And I wasn't this way, way clear, clear the first way because it's obviously I'm not breathing heavily. Um, I just said, you know. Now, what they want you to do is no challenge for the ball. Your knee struck his head, immediate red card. If you're looking at the ball and going for the ball, I mean, you know, it's just in, in what you want to say is. In that moment, you'd be like, wow, dude, what the heck? You know, you just clobbered him in the head. What are you doing, man? Pull over or pick a direction. But don't sit there. It's still under 20 miles an hour. Anyways, what you want to say is, dude, what the heck, man? You just need him in the head. Why are you doing that? You know, that was really stupid. And in that moment, like, I, the, the player was all right. You know, they, they, they got back up at least eventually. I don't know how long it took him. But you just kind of have to, you know, it was a really cool drill, but it was like, wow, okay. You want to use as few words as possible. I remember, I cannot remember the guy's name, but he was a referee out of Brisbane, um, and he did a couple Super Rugby games. And he, I remember he looked at it and was just like, all right, here's the deal. Like, it was, it was some weird situation that, like, the guy had held on to a player and he held on to him, like, illegally, like, yellow card worthy, like, held on to him. But the guy had lashed back out and stomped his boot onto his neck. Just a quick strike, but it was a quick strike. And they went back and looked at it, and the referee looked at it, and talking with the TMO, he says, all right, let me just just some of the facts. Red was holding, you know, blue... Blue retaliated and his foot struck his head. Yes. Okay, then that's a clear red card. 
So in that moment when you're trying to be succinct and when you're trying to zoom out and trying to slow down a little bit all at the same time, it's very important to be like, okay, let's remove all of as much of the emotion as we can from this and look at what actually happened. Look at it in black and white. Look at it as if, as if you had to prove it into a court of law and slow that down. So that's my process. What actually happened? Not how I feel about it. Not how I feel the game has been going. Not how I feel anything else has been going. Just what actually happened. And then those things filter in if I allow them. So that's how I do that. Um, I like the word succinct. It's, a, it's a very clear and crisp. Like, hey, shut the fuck up. Stop letting your emotions get into it. One guy was like, I believe this happened. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, don't say I believe. Um, verbal explanation should be accompanied by the secondary signal um, at the end of it. So you make your call, you understand what you're doing, you communicate, you do whatever you need to do, and then, you know, once, if you stop play, that's where the secondary signal happens afterwards. Um, if it's just a penalty, penalty, secondary, moving on, um, if you don't need an explanation. Usually I, I tell players, I say, look guys, if you want to ch- chat about the call, stop me and when the ball is dead. You know, ball is dead, hey sir, what was that call over there? It was not rolling away. Okay, cool. You know, like, what are you looking for? That's fine. You know? um, preventative statements should not be used repeatedly. By the time a statement has commenced, for a second time, the offense will have been committed. Oh, interesting. Almost refers you from talking with them too much. Like, for example, if you say roll away, there needs to be a reaction. Hmm. That's a good one. I, that's a pretty advanced one because I struggled with that a lot is that when I would say get on sides and nobody moved, essentially I'm undercutting myself. Which makes good sense, actually. Um, and I've done that quite a bit. I would say get back, get back, and I'd motion for them and nobody would move. And therefore, the next time they don't move and you know they're, they're daring me to penalize them. So if you're giving an admonition, if you're telling them to do something, they better be doing it. And if it's something stupid, maybe you shouldn't talk as much. Just an idea. I've struggled with that as well, as I've said before. Mm, yeah. Alright, let's read through this rest of this section. Call it a morning, hey? Boop. Um, when referring to a team or player, use the team's name or color plus the number of the player. Players' names should not be used. That's fair. Referees may say, play on when the ball can be played after rucks and collapsed malls. Artificial offside lines should not operate. Interesting. Match officials should not engage in conversation with players other than the captain and then only to address specific issues. I kind of talk to props, and I'm like, hey, guys, if we need to talk, that's fine. Um, And then finally, foul language should never be used by any match official. I'm not saying that I haven't. I'm not saying that it's okay. Um, I'm just saying that it's not effective. And our goal is effective communication. So if our goal is effective communication, we shouldn't swear at players. Pretty basic, right? All right, I'm going to go in. I will talk to you guys tonight. See you. Alright, what's going on guys? 
We are... This is on planning a season. Um, it should not be thought of as something as referees to do on top of other duties. It is an integral part of your everyday life, and it is essential for your development. Basically, everyone prepares for any routine in life to go to work. We set an alarm, get up, wash, eat, pack the briefcase or toolbox, grab the wallet, get into the car, plan the route, and drive off. It all requires planning. It may have become routine to us now, but it certainly started as a challenge in the beginning. Hmm. The agenda here is to understand the need to structure a referee's year and to apply the process with practical examples for your individual development. You should be able to link these aspects to your own refereeing and your development as a match official. So this foundation, preseason competition and regenerative. You go through factors, rugby situation, work situation, and family situation. Um, I don't think I ever really did this. Okay, so this is a good bit. Chapter 2, Identifying Feedback. Oh, excuse me. Now, basically, this is... Um, it's basically this simple graph going from left to right in an ascending line. Basically, it's a rectangle split in half, and the top is the coach's authority, and the bottom is the referee's authority. So basically, as you progress as a referee, um, your coach becomes less and less of an authoritarian figure. <coughs> I do not claim to be anything. I claim to have refereed some pretty good rugby, and that's about it. And um, So I, I look at it as, hey, I'm not your coach. I'm not anything. A coach is someone who is sitting with you and talking with you through things and watching your games and trying to understand your thought processes is processes better and to understand what you're doing and what you're coming from. Now, this is not an easy process. It is um, it's challenging. Um, it's, it's fun. But at the same, and it is very rewarding. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, one of those things that requires a very hands-on approach. But as the referee increases in skill set and understanding and self-identification, the coach's power becomes less and less, and their influence becomes less and less. Now, there are some things where coaches have more experience. Some coaches have less experience. Like, I've talked to people and coached them, and they've refereed for twice the length that I have. And it's they, But the thing is... Everyone can learn from something. Hopefully coaches are people who are put in that position because they have something they can share with you. Or there are certain things that they're looking for. Or there's a worry that they have or a concern or a way that they can make you better. Um, but it's, um, yeah, I think identifying feedback really comes down to if you're able to do the refereeing journal, like I said in a couple episodes ago, um, <clears throat> and really understand yourself Then if someone tells you something completely contrary to your identity, to who you really think you are, you might really stop and be like, okay, I need to take an honest look at that. 
You know, if they say something like, hey, you should be here instead of here, okay, why? Question it. Understand it. Understand why they're saying the things they are. And I, uh, I guarantee you that you will enjoy it a lot more, you will breathe a little bit easier, and you will actually understand, you know. Because that's the thing. Like, somebody can say, you know, this is the art of being a referee. We have to <coughs> answer the question of why. <clears throat> and if we can't answer that question, then we're in trouble. You know, well, why was I penalized back there? You know, it's not that, like they're being dicks. They just want to understand and improve if possible. So I think that's the, the main aspect of what we're looking for in communication. The other thing is coaches will have different strategies to help you realize it. The way that I was taught excuse me, as a referee coach was we, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they, um, and this is the way that I learned from some of the best, was they asked three questions. And they identified three main points of issues that you had. Not, well, you missed a knock-on. Coaching is never about missing the knock-ons. It's about zooming out and seeing the bigger picture and understanding how these, you know, lending processes to them that can help and, and improve. Um, so I, I always remember one thing where uh, who was it? I think it was Fozzie was refereeing this game <clears throat> and Dick was watching him and I just kind of sat there and watched Dick write things down watched what he was writing but by the time he was writing it I just he, he was like looking back up and he wrote this little shorthand note and I had no idea what the heck that meant and he walked me through his process and I, I should have just recorded it and been like I, I need to study you you are a genius um So, but he was taking it all down, you know, very in detail, very in depth. The guy had been doing it for he's been doing it for years. And I remember after watch, listening, watching Dick do it, and I, I, I literally just sat there and watched. I said, Fozzie, you mind if I sit in on this?" He's like, "That's fine." Um, and he said, "Have you? Um, how were your scrums?" He just said, uh, <clears throat> what did he say? I'm sorry, I blanked right there. Wow. Woo. Brain fart. Um, how we scrums? And what I'd seen in the scrums was the tight head on the one side, or sorry, the loose head, the loose head, um, the loose head on the one side was just standing up. Like, he was just kind of... The head was popping out the side, wasn't making any attempt to stay in the contest, and was just, whatever, I don't care, standing up. And he warned him, and I think he penalized him once or twice, but the kid was just being lazy. And finally, it, you know, Dick said to him, he says, how did you think scrubs went? And he says, well, the guy was being a dick, you know, the whole time. He didn't want to contest at all. So, you know, penalized him a couple times. I don't know what else, you know... And Dick just said, okay. And then he said, how, how did you think your, uh, you know, whatever it was. It was a broad sweep of the brush. How did you think this went? And he answered and stuff like that. But those three questions were like, all right, I need you to... And he even started with, like, how do you think he did? You know? And, and 
you know, referees who understand the game will understand that they had areas that they sucked at. You know, that that was not their strongest game in a certain area. So, I, um, and then Dick would do a full write-up and, you know, print his notes attached to it and stuff like that. I still, I think I've still got a couple of copies of the ones that he did for me around. But they were just in detail. On the fifth minute, this happened. On the seventh minute, this happened. And it was just fantastic, you know, like, to see it and be like, wow, this is, this is the work of someone who's done this for 20 to 30 years. And this is a guy who can look at Craig Joubert and be like, Craig, how'd you feel about this? Now, again, Dick's questions are like, The way his thought process worked, he was so much more intricate than I was even able to follow. And you know, I wish I could watch the games now and just sit with him and just kind of be a fly on the wall. Um, but the thing is that his thought process is so far advanced. But the questions that he's asking are very obvious. You know, how do you think your scrums went? Well, I diagnosed this, this, and this. This is why I didn't like it. And here's what I found out. You know, here's how I could have responded, or how could I have responded better? And, um, you know, so just simple things like that that are just like, okay, you're asking obvious questions, you're getting obvious answers, but then tie it into something deeper. Really think about something deeper. And um, it's really just an enjoyable experience when you're able to get some coaching and really be like, okay. It's not easy. Like, I think that's the biggest difference that I've noticed with a lot of this. It's something, a thing that I've definitely noticed with many people that I know, younger people that I know today. Even with myself, there's a lot of entitlement that goes on. A lot of expectation that I know what I'm doing and I'm better, and that's that. And, um... They, they don't actually want to do the work. They don't want to really grind and improve and get better. So I, I personally think that everybody should referee something. Whatever sport their choice is, that, that should be what they should referee. So I think that just improving and, and taking the honest critiques and not taking it personally, being like, hey, my, this wasn't me, this was my performance. My performance was subpar, I was not subpar. Or let me take that and fit that into what I believe about myself. And if it's something that is contrasting to what I believe, then guess what? I need to take a long, hard look at myself and either confirm or deny it. And if you can look at the coach and say, well, I think I'm a national panel referee, the coach will have a response for you. I don't know what it will be interesting to see what you know some people did you know but it's one of those things where that's not in it for everybody but all we're out to here to do is help the game and be the 31st person on the pitch but sorry guys I'm a bit beat I'm gonna call it really but I um, appreciate you guys listening I'm kind of working my way through piecemeal with the um, level 2 journal and um Slowly and steadily working our way through.